The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. During this hour, we're going to talk about if you have a situation where like a curtain rod or anything that pulls out of the wall, what can you do if... You have a concrete block wall. We'll tell you exactly how to handle that and to where you'll only have to do it once and it will be behind you. Also, crawl space questions. We always get a lot of questions like that. We have one of those and we'll be going in the aisles of the Home Depot to talk about ornamental trees. You wouldn't think this time of year you'd be thinking about any kind of planting, but it's a perfect time to plant certain species. We've got a lot of emails and, of course, my buddy Joe, my co-host, also has a simple solution for us. Joe, a little tease, please. Okay, how to make a furniture polish to use on any piece of furniture, and you can probably make it with just some things you have in the house right now. Oh, that sounds great, and good timing on that because people are looking around. They're starting to panic a little bit if they have, you know, some of the Christmas parties at their house. They go, okay, we've got to get this place looking a little better. (laughs) Uh, Furniture polish is a great way to go, especially a homemade one like that. Hey, you know, we're here to help you at least for a little bit longer. Though We have two more shows after this week, but plenty of time to help you out on any kind of challenge you might be having. We had some great calls. We're going to grab a few of those right now. Hello, my name is Johnny Thomas. I was calling because I had bought a chest of drawers, and it's a, a real dark color, and I wanted to, I wanted a lighter color, and I wanted to find out if there's anything I could put on the chest of drawers to, to lighten the color without having to sand it. Thank you. Well, that's a tricky one there. Nobody because, wants uh, to sand, and I certainly understand that, right? Oh, yeah. But, but you know, when you when you think about the, let's say, the chemistry of it or the makeup of, of something like that, stain that this has been stained with is soaked down into the pores of the wood for a fair amount. So, you know, you can't just really lift that off. But, Joe, um, you know, it's something I've never really tried. I've thought about it a lot because we What's get that? this kind of question a lot is lightly sanding a finish like this so that you're taking off the top coat, which would usually be polyurethane varnish or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it opens up the pores of the wood, even though the stain is still there and it's still, uh, you know, a darker than what she wanted. I wonder about coming back with something like a light pine or some type of stain like that. Would it lighten it at all? Um, I suspect not, but I've never actually tried that. I've not tried it and I think I've not tried it is because it probably would not work. Yeah, That's once what that I think, like, yeah. yeah, once you as you mentioned, once that stain has soaked into the wood, I mean you could strip the entire thing and I'm not I'm not suggesting doing this. You could strip the entire thing and sand it like crazy and lighten it a little bit, but would you ever get all that? I mean, unless you started sand unless you sanded away a 16th of an inch of wood mm-hmm. from everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I that would not I mean the thing to do obviously is to paint it. But if you don't want to just paint it, they do make solid color stains that maybe you can go over it, you know, get a lighter color one, That's go over idea. it uh-huh. and see what it looks like. Now if you put a lighter color, let's say it was a lighter color blue stain over a piece of clear, of a wood that was not stained at all, you'd get that solid blue color or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If you do it in this case, it might be a little. The color might be a little 
softer than just the color that you, that's just the blue it might be bluish brown or might be you know so that because that brown or whatever it is will show through a little bit maybe a second coat would help that but the, yeah i think the thing to do is use a chalk paint or regular paint or a solid color stain and test it on some maybe the back of it or something and see how that looks um, but yeah if, that, if she doesn't want to sand that's the only option let's go back to the hotline for another call we received this week I have a 20-year-old manufactured home. It is on a slab, which is unusual. I'm not sure that matters. But anyway, I have a 20-year-old electric furnace downdraft, and I have had contractors out to give me quotes on adding a heat pump. They tell me that the furnace is still in extremely good shape. They can add a heat pump, the A-frame, right into the furnace, no problem. But one of the contractors wanted to put the cooling unit in the east wall right underneath the eaves in my kitchen. Now, my kitchen and living room area are open. They're only separated by a uh, half wall there. And they said, that's okay. I could run my furnace fan all the time, and that would circulate air. But the uh, unit high in the uh, wall would help cool both the kitchen and the living room. The living room is exposed to the west sun so it does get rather warm in there i wanted to know your opinion do i want to have the cooling coil in the furnace or would it be small to have it high where the hot air accumulates of course i've got a vaulted ceiling thank you very much i enjoy your show i listen to you every week on kxle in ellensburg washington thank you bye-bye oh well thank you and thank you for a good question there but i'll the first thing that you said there triggered me, and that is 20-year-old furnace. Uh, furnaces, you yeah. know, have life expectancy. You know, the high end is like a 12 years. Now, I've seen many, many of them that are in excess of that, that have been maintained well and, you know, have not rusted and that kind of thing. But it's still a very inefficient type of furnace compared to what you can buy these days. Yes, the new ones are expensive. They are proud of them. Uh, but um, for the, the you may be able to save as much as 20 or 30% of your power bill by going with a new unit. And that way you're not compromising and adding something onto an existing system. That's kind of my opinion is to start yeah. all over. And we normally don't, you know, suggest that. We're we're big about um, recycling and remodeling and that type of thing. Not all new, but this, in my, in my opinion, really need to go with all new on this one. Yeah, especially if he's going to be staying in the house for a while um, and you can get a brand new furnace with the heat pump built into it and they design it for the house and for in the unit itself. You know, the, the, the heat pump unit would be designed for the size of the house and the furnace and everything else. Um, but as far as like if he does want to add a heat pump, whether it's on the east wall or the west wall, it wouldn't really matter, in my opinion. I and mean, we don't really know where Gary's from. Oh, he's from Washington. Yeah, so I don't think, if he was in the middle of Arizona, maybe it'd be an issue, but um, I don't think, think matter. I think you want to be in the most efficient place. And the reason the cooling units are usually high in the higher on the walls is because cold air sinks, right? So you don't want it, cold air blowing up by the floor. Um, so, yeah, but you're right, Danny. If he, he might as well price, because you may discover that um, the price isn't that different from getting a whole new furnace with the heat pump built into it. Exactly. That's another good option there. Let's go back to the hotline for one more call. I have a question about rain gutters. I have this stuff on there. I think it's mildew, and I was wondering how to get it cleaned off. Yeah, you know what? Uh, so many of the um, baked enamel, um, baked aluminum gutters, uh, right. they've developed a kind of a um, muted 
uh, black mildew-looking stuff. Yeah, it's extremely, yeah. extremely hard to get off. I really, you know, I guess it is some type of a mildew that's attaching to the top side of it, but I just don't understand why it's so hard with a baked enamel finish that aluminum has on it, yeah. why it's so hard to um, to erase that. Um, of course, you can get up there with TSP or some of the other uh, oxygen bleach, anything like that will keep it. But also um, still believe in um, wet and forget is, a, is an option mm-hmm. to spray on it. Uh, it's going to take a few months for it to work, but it'll continue working for you to a certain degree. But some of that can be very, very stubborn, especially if you let it go a little too long. Yeah, I mean, we had that in our gutter, and uh, we have white gutters like most people do, I guess. And uh, the surface, although it's baked on, it's kind. Of, it's not like a hard, shiny surface on the gutter, at least not after they've been on your house for a while. And why the outside of the gutters get dirty like that, I have no idea. But I just use, and I'll, she doesn't mention whether she can reach these easily, if it's a branch house or a first floor. You can just use a long-handled scrub brush. I just use hot water with, I think I just put soap detergent, like dish soap detergent in it, and I scrubbed it right off. It came right off. Um, but then I got the areas where I couldn't reach from the ground, so now I'd have to get a ladder and I... I didn't even bother doing that. I just I just did the area right above the front door. My wife said, why, that looks great. I was hoping she wouldn't look to the left or the right, and she did. <laughs> so what about that section? Uh, uh. Um, but, yeah, I, you could use a pressure washer. My only concern is, of course, Danny, you're going to be shooting water up oh, at yeah. the roof. And the last thing you want to do is get that under the shingles because, first of all, they're, only, they're designed to only drain water in one direction. It's not up. So if you do use a pressure washer, which would work, just be extremely careful. Hey, when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio, we're going to talk about that aggravating situation where a curtain rod pulls out of a wall. That might be a toilet paper holder or a paper towel holder, all of it. Towel rack. Exactly. All of it, you approach it the same way. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I want to say a special hello to WFIWAM 1390 in Fairfield, Illinois. Uh, we appreciate you airing the Today's Homeowner Radio Show and being such a good friend to us and affiliate to us over the years. And if we can help anybody there that's uh, listening today that might have a challenge in and around their home, you can send us an email anytime, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or pick up the phone and call us on the hotline, 800 946 4420. That's what Drew from Massachusetts did. Drew, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house. Hey guys. Hey Danny. Hey Joe. Thank you very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Um, of course. Thanks for calling. So I, I have a, a rental property where the, the tenant had called me and I went down and took a look at it. Um, they have a, uh, like a picture window curtain rod that is uh, the rod itself and the brackets are pulling out of the wall. Um, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing is not uncommon, um, but it's not drywall. The, the walls are um, solid concrete walls. Um, so it, I guess one of my challenges is uh, that compared to drywall. And then also, if you look close at some of the pictures I sent in, it looks like it's happened before. So I, I, I'm right. I also want to avoid drilling into filled-in holes. 
Um, so I guess I'll just have to eyeball that and figure that out. But I, I guess my question is, are there any type of special anchors that I should be using to go into a solid concrete wall or just avoid anchors? And are there any you know, screws that are made to go directly into a concrete wall? Okay. There's there's a couple different ways that you can go. And, um, you know, one of the more traditional ways that have been around forever um, are the lead anchors. So you're drilling a hole in with a masonry bit. You're pushing that anchor in nice and tight. A lot of times you have to take your hammer and just kind of tap it a little bit. It's lead, so it's very pliable. And you get it in there good and secure. That way, when you put your screw from the curtain rod bracket in, it expands into the hole, and that's what provides the strength for it. Now, I've always, I don't know, I always like to take a little bit of epoxy uh, and mix it up and then coat the actual lead anchor with it before I put it in there. It just keeps it from spinning, and, the, you know, you give it a few minutes, and it, it, it'll it it'll be there, and it makes me, you know, makes me feel like it's a little bit stronger. Uh, but, Joe, also um, the use of the Tapcon screws that yep. a lot of people are finding out about it may also be an option. Yeah, so this is not concrete block, but solid concrete, a poured concrete wall, right, Drew? Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah okay. not, not block, yeah. Yeah, I can see in one of these photographs, looks like someone used a um, lead anchor, and that's what's pulled out because I can see a big, thick lead thing behind it. But regardless, um, the easiest thing to do would be to relocate this, if you could at all, to move it a little higher or a little lower and get with fresh concrete. It doesn't, instead of plugging a hole with something and trying to, I wouldn't sure. even mess with that. So if that's an option, that would be the very first thing. You can fill the hole with almost anything. You use hydraulic cement and paint it or just like spackling compound or whatever, because you're not going to be drilling into yep. it again. And then there are tap cons that Danny referred to. They're generically known as masonry anchors. You drill a pilot hole with the bit that comes with the anchor, with the screws rather. There is no anchor. It's a specially designed screw. You just drive it in. Um, and that will fit in the hole. Drill the hole, vacuum out the dust, and then just drive it in. So that that's one way. The other way would be um, I wouldn't use a lead anchor. There's a company called Toggler that makes something. I think it's called like an alligator anchor, something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And it's nylon or some kind of plastic of some sort. They come in various sizes for and they from like maybe three sixteenth inch diameter up to maybe half inch. And they hold an amazing. I installed one. I think it holds like. 1500 pounds of pressure or something crazy like that so you could drill a hole with a masonry bit and install one of those um so those would be your two options i guess i would try the tap cons because if the tap cons pull loose okay then you can always uh, do, enlarge yeah, the hole and put in the the alligator anchor okay yeah when you mentioned 1500 pounds that's that's uh a heavy pair of drapes i don't think yeah. that's gonna be pulling <laughs> yeah. out of a but you're right. This is not uncommon at all because there is pressure on that and people open and closing the drapes and maybe kids yanking on them or something. And you can see the size of the screws they have going in there. You know, right. They're, tight, they're relatively small. So that's what I would, I would relocate it. I wouldn't mess around with those existing holes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I will have space. I don't know. I'm, it's one, it's a rod that fits into itself. So I, I think I can go a little bit further right and left and avoid, okay. uh, stay on the same exact level, just go wider with it and get fresh concrete right. area or up and down you know you can raise it or lower it but okay great this definitely gives me some good things to try and um probably one more time before you guys are all done i'm going to try to go to the end of the line and get back in with the decking question before it's all over yeah <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully i'll uh, be in with some new pictures uh, next month great that, that sounds we'll great we, we appreciate it drew and uh hope everything works out on that and uh the joys of being a landlord isn't it oh uh, yeah Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Very much appreciated. Okay. Thanks a lot to you. Have a great weekend.
Thank you. You too. Yeah, there's always something. I'm I'm glad yeah. I got rid of a lot of my rentals because I was absolutely tired of the little tiny things and the oh, it's nonstop. You know, yeah. And and it's also um, always bad timing uh, on all of that. Oh so, yeah, yeah. It never happens uh, like in the middle of the day when you happen to be in the neighborhood. Right. 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 Hey, we got some great emails uh, this week. We had a. Uh, I'm going to jump right on a few of those. New Hampshire, Leona says, I want to clean the front entrance to my home. What kind of soap should I use on painted wood siding? Would Dawn dishwashing soap work? And also, what can I use to seal the concrete steps? Um, Well, certainly, um, Dawn is used a lot on uh, exterior cleaning of homes and dwells interior. It would work pretty well. If you need something a little bit stronger, uh, we also recommend TSP, trisodium phosphate, is still a fairly passive type of cleaner that works very, very well. Just read the instructions and mix it properly. Um, And uh, either one of those should work real well. A lot of times, people automatically think they have to use a pressure washer. You don't. Um, you can use a, a good water hose and a, a bucket with a cleaner in it and a nice um, extension handle with the proper brush on it. And you can go a long way and get a lot done without cranking up that pressure washer at all. Joe, what about the question of uh, what to use to seal concrete steps? What you want to use is a penetrating sealer. You don't want to use anything that's going to sit on the surface and it has to be designed for masonry so it'll be you're looking for a clear masonry sealer not a wood sealer not anything like that because because um you know these are concrete steps and and it'll soak in it'll prevent staining and it'll keep ice and water out so that's what you want to use and you want to make sure it's good and clean before you apply that. Uh, here's another um, email from Roberta in Nebraska. What about this one, Joe? I have a bottle of wood glue that's a bit dried up. Is there any way to refresh it? Yes. Now, I, I had a simple solution on this. You might not okay. remember. Um, I'm assuming it's wood glue and it's water-based. So what you want to do, what the simple solution was is, is you, know, you pour it on. Now, this is you know, when it's like thick and you can't spread it. If it's completely hard, there's nothing you do. But I poured out a little into a cup, you know, just enough that I was going to use for that project and seal it up, seal the bottle up, put a piece of, I usually put a piece of plastic on it, then crank down the, the cap because those things are notorious for leaking air just to seal what's left in the bottle. And then in the little cup where you have the glue, put in a couple of drops of water. And I'm talking about just a couple of drops. Then what I did is I took a... um uh, Allen wrench, a long Allen wrench, and I chucked it in my drill, and I used it as like a little mixer, and I just <laughs> whipped that around, you know, because it's L-shaped, so the short L went into the cup, and it mixed it around, and if it didn't thin it out enough, I'd add a couple of drops. You don't want to overwater it, because then you reduce the strength of the glue. That's that's the idea. You don't want to make it too watery. So you just add a couple of drops at a time, keep mixing it until you get to that original consistency. And I've been doing that for years, and it works perfectly well. I'm sure the glue manufacturers aren't too happy with me, but um, <laughs> but that that's how you can save that glue and reuse it. Oh, that's good. And I'll tell you what, when you, uh, for me, and you know this from me, Joe, I, I mean, I, I glue or use adhesive on just about yeah, me too. everything. Yeah. I mean, I always think about, okay, is there any chance of me needing to take this down, remove <laughs> right. it, or whatever. Always think about that a little bit. Uh, sometimes in closets, you know, when you're building closets and putting additional shelving in, you know, a closed closet, um, you never know. Those closed closets evolve a good bit over the That's years. Right. So that might not be the best place to use a lot of glues and adhesive if you're going to change it. Because when you change it, maybe that's why I'm such a big fan of it. I've torn a lot of things out that have been glued in, and I realize it's a lot harder. 
yes. to tear them out when it's all glued together like that. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that mysterious area under your house, the crawl space, some of the things you really need to do and some of the things you definitely don't want to do. All that and a whole lot more right here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So glad you're with us and uh, hope that uh, everything is going well on all of your holidays and you're enjoying the or anticipating Christmas like uh, all of us are. And uh, so just take it easy and relax a little bit. Those home improvement projects will wait a little while. You don't have to do everything uh, before Christmas, but, uh, you know, want to enjoy it along the way and do a little planning for the new year because there's a lot of projects that you may want to do. Save them till next year. Right now, we're going to go right back to the hotline. Go to Georgia. Warren is on the phone. Warren, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on around your house. Well, thank you. We uh, have a lot going on here. A lot of company coming in uh, starting today, and they have they take advantage of it. They will be here until Sunday. So, oh, good. So well, we that's have nice. quite a few, plus uh, a couple of grand dogs also. Excellent. There so, you go. <laughs> uh huh. Weather's nice and cool and chilly, kind of rainy, but it's supposed to clear up and be pretty tomorrow. Oh, that's great. That's great. I, I see uh-huh. that you're um, thinking about um, doing something under the house. Well, uh, let me tell you about myself. I'm in the home improvement business myself, and uh, the question that I have for you guys, uh, over the years I have seen a lot of people's the yays and the nays on putting installing this queen on the ground up underneath the house and even the walls and the pillows and the different areas like that. Uh, I have seen good results and I've seen not so good results. So I just wanted to know what uh, you guys were thinking about what your thoughts on that particular project. Sure, sure. I've right. had some, some people just say, no, 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 we've heard other things. Right, I, yeah. I say, well, I know you're here, but proof is in the pudding, and and you, and you, and you learn about this by seeing what happens. Well, well, th- this is something we've dug into quite a bit, and, 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 you know, there are a lot of opinions out there, and there are some kind of gray areas that you're not really sure about. This is not one. Putting plastic down on the ground under your house is a very important and it's it's really a necessity uh, no matter where you live in the United States for a lot of reasons. Primarily, it prevents the groundwater from migrating up to uh, inside your house because the positive pressure of your house and your heating and cooling system will have a tendency to draw that wet, moist air up there and that can cause a lot of problems with mold, mildew, and more acute problems with wood rot and so forth. So without a doubt. Now, the encapsulation that you also hear a lot about where they run it up onto the sidewalls and up to the Uh pylons and they, you know, um, seal around it and then put the dehumidifier in it. um, That's only, in my opinion, only 
in really severe cases of moisture accumulation. But for the most part, that's not necessary. Putting that down will reduce the moisture so much. Uh, and if you do have to get under there or any repair people have to get under there and do any work, makes it a lot more pleasant than crawling around in dirt and mud. Well, you know, one thing, I, I saw my neighbor, uh, they came out several years ago, it was probably about 10 years ago, and he had his whole, uh, up underneath the house, the walls, everything done. Because both you and I both know one of the main things about a, a home is just like a human, it has to breathe. Right. It's going, it's going to expand and contract. Well... That particular project, I mean, it, it was so tight there that this house could not breathe. So they had, they had to take every bit of that stuff down and because it was a, a big uh, a mess, but the house has to breathe. So. One of the things that I do need to mention is the importance of the cross ventilation in there. You've got to have yes, plenty yes. of vents. They need to stay open all year long so that you have that cross ventilation. That's also very important to have the yes, right sir. type of environment under that house. Hey, Warren, the other thing I wanted to mention, um, just for our, for our other listeners, you're probably aware of this, but we often get calls. People want to staple plastic up to the underside of the floor frame. They they uh, not put it not put it on the floor, not put it on the ground as Danny suggested, but they want they think, well, if I staple it up under the floor frame, then that will keep the moisture. But you know, as you know, what happens is that traps the moisture. And then that's the insulation right. gets soggy and, and then you get mold and mildew. And that's so right. yeah, so for people that are listening, do not we're not suggesting ever stapling plastic to the underside of the floor, whether it's insulated or not. It should be insulated, of course, but you never want to do that. So only on yeah. the ground itself. I uh, concur. Yes, sir. I agree. All right, Warren. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. That's one of those mysterious areas, Joe. We'll always yep. have that s- scenario where um, people are wondering exactly what to do. Let's grab an email real quick. Okay. Here's one from Rebecca in Ohio. My friend who's an experienced woodworker is refinishing an old table for me. One spot on the table top will not take the gel stain. He has sanded it and steel wooled it and tried several times to restain the spot. Can you offer any help? He mixed stain with polyurethane but just applied it so we don't know I- if it will work at all. That is one way to do it is to overcoat when it, when one is not sinking in for whatever reason or right. soaking in is to kind of just kind of almost paint over it with a mixture of that. I've done that. It works, but not always. Any other suggestions, Joe? Yeah, wood won't accept stain if the surface is already sealed, you know, because the pores are clogged up. Now, mixing stain with polyurethane has been going on for generations. In fact, I think Minwax still makes a product called Polyshades, That's right, which, is, which is exactly that. So mm-hmm. if you're going to try this over staining, I would use that product because it's specifically formulated for that. If you're mixing it on your own, I mean, I don't know how you would know what the correct proportions are. I, I, I know I don't know anyway. So, um, yeah, if you want to do that, then I would, um, other than sanding it down to bare wood, which you don't want to do, um, I, I would try the, uh, the poly shades or a similar product like that. Yeah, we just used that actually on a table oh, for the very same reason. We, yeah. um, it was a table. You may recall this table, a very large table. Oh, the one that on you our, had outside. Uh, yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. And it had just a little bit of discoloration. And uh, But when we started sanding it, all of the finish came off. Well, most of the finish came off. Right. And so uh, we actually used the poly shade. And boy, it looked fantastic. Yeah, that's a good product. Yeah. And it had a nice, deep, um, solid finish, put two coats on it and... Uh, 
it uh, it sold very quickly because we were it's one of oh. the things we were liquidating and um, so you were, you were you were able to remove all those stains from the shrimp tails you're dropping That's on the exactly. tabletop yeah exactly we you know we uh, that the shrimp tails will just eat away at them so <laughs> it, <laughs> it worked out it worked out great hey we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going in the aisles of the home depot to talk about ornamental trees that can be planted right now you're listening to today's home auto radio we'll be right back Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. Welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lipford, and it's time for us to go in the aisles at the Home Depot with our friend Danny Watson. Danny, we have talked about being able to really continue enhancing your yard with being able to plant a number of ornamental trees. Tell us uh, the right steps there and some of the options that are available at Home Depot. Well, Danny, real quick, I want to say that planting trees this time of year is the best time of year. We always think of spring. We're programmed to think early spring. But, you know, this is the best time because the ground is warm. The roots get uh, acclimated and start uh, growing, and it, there's no stress on the tree. So a crabapple tree is one of my top favorites. What I love about this tree, you get fantastic blooms in the spring. And this is more of a, a smaller tree. It'll maybe reach about 15 to 20 feet tall. So it's great for your front yard, won't hide the house or, you know, mess up the foundation. And then you get that great fall color. They turn beautifully red and just really stand out in the landscape. I think it's a great choice if you're looking to add a smaller tree to your yard. Uh, another one is arborvitae. I love arborvitae. Uh, this beautiful evergreen foliage, they're mm-hmm. great for privacy fence. They've really gotten popular in these last few years. People have used them instead of some of the other varieties uh, because they just hold up so well. Uh, do so good during the winter. They're just as green in the winter as they are in the summer and beautiful, really fantastic choice uh, in your landscape. You can get those for around 32 bucks in the uh, garden centers right now. We have them everywhere, uh, but a fantastic, fantastic plant. Yeah, I've always heard those are um, pretty hardy and, you know, pretty low maintenance and so forth, which a, a lot of people are looking for. But to be able to have the year-round greenery is something that almost everybody looks for. You don't want everything to fall off and be just a bare bush during the winter. So uh, that's another good part of it. And, and I'll tell you one thing I've always liked is uh, cypress trees, especially, you know, if you have maybe a, a, a more a moist area in your yard, uh, they, they just thrive on that. And again, a very hardy tree, right? Right. I mean, bald cypress is a beautiful tree, uh, like you say, that will grow in an area that tends to be wet. But also think about your Leland cypress, which is mm-hmm. very similar to the arborvitaes that we just talked about. They're very fast-growing trees. They grow about three feet a year. So if you need quick, instant height, those trees will really give that to you, give you a great screen and a beautiful, beautiful tree, evergreen, just like the, like the uh, last tree we talked about. And, and just it's great to incorporate those evergreens in because you don't have just a bare landscape. And, of course, uh, you have the option of uh, magnolias. Magnolias is a completely different type of tree, and they're those big wax uh, leaves and so forth. Um, and um, it's so easy to be able to just roll into Home Depot and pick a few of these up. Magnolias are a great, great tree. I would just say give them some room because we forget those trees can get 40, 
50, that's 60 right. feet that's tall. Right. So that's right. give them some space. If you got if you've got some property, you can plant that tree, and it will be so beautiful with those big, beautiful white flowers and, like you say, those glossy leaves. And uh, some of the varieties we have today are not as messy as some of the older ones. They don't shed as much. But you can pick up a smaller, great uh, starter one, a Sweet Bay Magnolia, uh, for around 35 bucks at Home Depot and get that in the ground and, and just let that baby start to grow. And, of course, you can always go back to the evergreens. Evergreens still, um, people still absolutely love those. And, of course, vivid colors and year-round appeal, a lot, lot to be said about those. Yeah, evergreens are great. And the Yoshino cryptomeria uh, evergreen tree is beautiful. I don't know if you've uh, planted them much, but the cryptomeria it has such a beautiful uh, branch. It's so different from some of the others. It's got some great interest and even gets – uh, some, some little like bloom pods on there that I think really just add to the the the, the foliage. It's it's a it's a great tree. These can get huge again. Give them some room. They can get to be tall. But if you have a space where you can use some natural screening and and hedging, um, it really will give you privacy if that's what you need in your landscape. But a beautiful choice. Boy, I love talking about these kind of things because I can envision each and every one of them that you're talking about. Danny Watson's always great to have you on the radio show and uh, take care of yourself and keep that uh, keep the gardens looking good. Will do. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, Danny's right that um, you know fall and early winter is a great time to plant trees, especially evergreens. Any no matter where you live in the country, and and I was surprised when I went to a garden shop recently how many different types of evergreens there are. Like everyone's familiar oh, yeah. with two or three types they see all the time, but there are ones that are grow like really large trees. There are shrubs and bushes, and you use them for wind blocks. And as Danny said, with as privacy, um, and because they stay green all year, you know, you don't going to be raking leaves, maybe some pine needles here and there, depending on the tree. But yeah, they're amazingly versatile and you see them everywhere, right? I mean, no matter where you live in the country, there's an evergreen for you. And, you know, one of the things he mentioned is about um, how important it is to determine how big that plant's going to be because so oh, many right. times yep. people will plant them too close to the house, too close to the fence, too close together, and a few years down the road they go, oh, now now what do I have? Directly I under do? power so, lines, right? Yeah. So, Joe, I know we have a simple solution coming up. Tell us what we can expect. This is how to make a homemade furniture polish from some items you probably have in the house right now. Perfect time of the year. You might have everything you need right in the pantry. We'll tell you all about it when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our simple solution with my buddy, Joe Truini. Joe, what do you have for us? All right, Danny, here's how to make an affordable, non-toxic furniture polish with some items you probably have in the house right now. What I want you to do is start by mixing one cup of white vinegar with one quarter cup of olive oil and one eighth cup of lemon juice. It kind of almost sounds like a vinaigrette with a little the proportions are a little off. <laughs> um, what you want to do is you mix this up, the vinegar, the olive oil, and the lemon juice, and, and pour it into a, a plant mister. And then just spray it onto the wood surfaces. And by the way, this can be used on any surface, any hard wooden surface uh, that's been finished. And then you want to take a dry cotton cloth and scrub the surface in a circular motion. And you want to remove all dust, dirt, and grime. And what you'll find is the vinegar and the 
lemon juice will really, because they're acidic, will really cut through anything that's left on the surface. So you rub it in circles, then you finish up with a second clean cotton cloth and just polish in straight lines parallel with the wood grain. So you just go back and forth. And uh, you'd be surprised. And the oil adds a little luster. That's the reason you add a little mm -hmm. bit of olive oil. And then if you see any areas where the maybe the surface has been scratched and it's a different color, you can take an additional simple solution. I think, Danny, you and I discussed this not too long ago on air. You take a walnut, take the, the, a walnut oh, yeah. meat, mm -hmm. you know, the meat mm -hmm. of the walnut, mm -hmm. and just rub it over the scratch or the gouge or whatever it is. I'm not really sure why this works. I think, I think it's because of the oil in the nut, and that scratch will just disappear. It'll just go away. Mm -hmm. um, now, it's not a permanent fix. Once the oil in the nut dries out, it might take a month or two months or whatever. You know, it might reappear, so you just go over it again. But um, with those two things, your furniture will look uh, nearly as good as new. Yeah, that's that's great. Great time of the year for that to really get those things good and clean. Because you never know um, so many times, you never know how dirty a surface is in your home until you right? clean it thoroughly. And <laughs> then you right. go, wow, this looks completely different. Good time of the year for that. And appreciate that, Joe. Well, Joe, um, we, we only have two more shows. That's unbelievable. Oh, We've done no. almost 800 shows out there. And uh, uh, to, to be winding it up is very, very strange. You know, it's a kind of a bittersweet situation. I mean, we yeah. you know, have uh, had a great run and we're going out um, because we you know, because I've decided to, to retire and so forth, but, right. uh, but, but, but you're not retiring. Uh, people are thinking no, that, gonna keep that going. me and you are going to sit on the uh, porch and fish the whole time, which I hope <laughs> we do, but uh, you still, you still are going to have plenty going on. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still writing. I'm going to try to get a podcast going and yeah, I'm, I'm still going to be around. People can track me down one way or another. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm to the point in my life where I'm comfortable. I'll be continue working, but I don't have to kill myself. You know? That's right. Good. And, good. But I want to keep going. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be calling you from time to time, and I'm sure we'll be meeting up down in Mobile, or hopefully at a fishing hole somewhere. In That's right, Ab Connecticut Ab and Mobile. Yeah, absolutely. Be doing more more fishing, and and of course you um, don't forget to uh, go on uh, Amazon as it was one place, and um, and Google Joe Truini, and you'll see a number of books there that he's written over the years. Um, many of them have been extremely successful. The Shed Book. If you're looking to build some extra storage space in in your backyard, you got to pick up this book. It's just like the the perfect guideline for whatever kind of storage you need is a great one. Also, the tile book, if you're ready to explore a little bit of the world of tile, whether it's a shower or your foyer or whatever, uh, all that information, just like we do here at Today's Homeowner, straightforward uh, things that have worked very, very well for Joe, and he's captured all of it, working with a lot of experts. That's just two examples of several books Joe has available by going to Amazon.com. And yes, uh, we are going to be with you two more weeks. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're not going to uh, sit around and pat ourselves on the back. We're going full speed and uh, going to enjoy every single minute of it. And hope you'll be able to join us over the next couple weeks. Well, I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our producer and engineer Scott Gardner, and Brad Rogers, and the whole Today's Homeowner family, hoping you have a great weekend, and come back and see us again next week. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple weeks. We'll see you then. 